Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're done with your Oreo? <laughs> yeah, I'm done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, Do you really know what happened? The brother did The brother. That's what I thought, too. I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Do you want to talk about death? Yeah. I mean, I... Mystery murdery thingy. Ooh, good question. Right. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. I'm Chloe. I'm Mario. This is the podcast about mysteries. And murderies. And mysteries. And thingies. Wow, we got right off the bat today. Go team. Yes. What? Out of the fucking park. Oh, my goodness. See, I don't know why you were nervous. We got off to a great start. I get stage fright, even though there's really, I don't know. We're not on a stage. Although my phone does sit on this, like, wooden pillow thing. This this is a pillow desk. It's called a pillow desk. What comes up on Google if you just put in pillow desk? Probably this. This or not this? Probably this. Probably. Little peek behind the curtain there. But, um... Welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Um, Happy first day of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, all the other holidays, or no holiday. Because, you yes. know, some people but just like is, uh, being Jehovah's Witnesses, and this is, you get no birthday, which seems yeah. kind of sad. But, hey, that's your thing, you know? It's that's a religion, so I have to respect it. Uh, that's what America is. My mom's had some kids in class who, like, they, they can't say the pledge. They can't celebrate their Christmas. Or their birthday. They can't celebrate any of the holidays with the kids. They can't, like, do the holiday stuff. Or, like, wow. participate in the party. It seems kind of harsh. But, uh, again, you know, we're gotta, you know, whatever. Gotta respect it. Uh, the follow-through, I think, right? Anyway, that's not at all what this episode is about. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to make that clear. Um, but we are doing, like we said last time, a very special... Christmas episode. So Mario and I, we're going to attempt to discuss the coldest of cold cases. The biggest murder case 
in America that's currently unsolved. Correct. One Without of, a doubt. Oh, by, by a fucking mile. You know already what we're talking about. But this is one of the crimes of the 20th century, in my humble opinion. I agree. Opinion, right? I agree. So I thought we could kind of talk a little bit about the background. Obviously, we're talking about the Jean Bonnet Yes, we are talking about John Benet Ramsey today. Yes. And on this day, 22 years ago, right? In 96? Uh, 22 years ago, yeah. Yes. Which is also the there same was a, amount of time. a kidnapping. Right, between the death of John Ramsey's older daughter, Elizabeth Ramsey, to the death of Jean Benet Ramsey. 22 years. I think there's a lot of weird coincidences in this case. There's a lot of weird shit about this case in general. It's very bizarre. <laughs> it is. It, it is in, incredibly crazy. Um, and A&E, yeah, we're going to talk about our sources. Before we talk about anything, we're going to talk about our sources. Because yes. there is so fucking much out there about this case. I mean, we could research for fucking 20 years. And there's, there's probably more things you could research than time has gone by since this crime occurred. It's insane. It is. It really is insane. It is. And there are people who are fucking obsessed with it. And I think we should talk a little bit about that at, kind of at the end. There's an entire subreddit it, dedicated to yeah, it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. But in terms of what I did for my research, okay, so I picked one of the many books that's out there about the Jean Benet case on Audible. Um, the, the, you know, the, there are many that have audiobooks. There are many, many more that don't have audiobooks. But the one that I listened to was um, called Who Killed Jean Benet Ramsey by uh, Charles Bosworth and Cyril Wecht. And Cyril Wecht is a, kind of a very well-known um, medical investigator, medical examiner, uh, who worked for a long time on the case. Um, the book was written in 1998, but he continued to work on the case for a long time after that, um, along with, you know, so many, many people. Um, I also, as you did, watched the ID Channel special, right? Uh, which is called Jean Benet, an American Murder Mystery. Yeah, I rec so I told Mario, I was going to watch these anyway. Mm -hmm. I told Mario to watch the three, no, 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 the yeah. A&E special. And, I and then the three-part investigation discovery special. Right, right. Um, which are both from 2016, the 20th anniversary. Because that was the 20th anniversary, right, correct. Right, of course. And uh, the A&E special, just to mention it, is called The Killing of Jean Benet, The Truth Uncovered. Yes. Right, right. And then I also read just, like, a bunch of CNN articles, like, too many to mention, honestly. But there's, like, a ton of them uh, from the time and, and from the 20th anniversary. An article by Sarah Marshall in BuzzFeedNews.com that was really good. I got that off that um, long-form website, I believe. Um, okay, yes. All right. Okay. And the one we have to mention is jean Benet Ramsey Case Encyclopedia. Yes, that was that's where I grabbed the main topics mm -hmm. because it was also just a, a place to look at more sources, not necessarily right. a barrel of right. It was it was very well organized. Yes, it's basically a wiki, and it contains all of the information pretty much that you would want to know about this case. Yes, so it's fucking huge. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we're going to continue to look. Uh, through this, obviously, this is a two-parter. Like, we're not going to do the Jean Benet Ramsey case in one episode. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh my god! So uh, we are kind of splitting it up. Three um, hours late there. Right. Uh, this time, we're going to talk about the cast of characters and the timeline. 
So we're, we're going to kind of focus on those two areas. You know, we're going to talk victims. But this is uh, not a cast investigators. of characters. This is real people. It is. Thank you. Yes. Because that is actually something that comes up a lot if you uh, investigate this case is that very point from investigators, from family members, from the victim's uh, friends. This case is so sensationalized. It, 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 from the very moment that it occurred almost, uh, from the moment that it came out, right, it has been turned into a sensation. Whereas, entertainment. Entertainment, exactly. I mean, if, if you look at, like, the, the hard copy episode about it, right, um, or the, the, the uh, editor-in-chief of the National Enquirer talking about it on the A&E special or oh the IV Channel special, whatever it is, the, 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 the media and a lot of people uh, have not had the best you know, because this this crime happened in a very particular context as well. You know, I think you have to remember, okay, mid-90s, 1994, O.J. Simpson trial. This case at the time when it occurred, the, the JonBenet Ramsey case, was compared all the time to the O.J. Simpson case. It was like, oh, this is another one of these huge media sensation cases all across the country. And the one that um, I didn't really remember, but kept I remember up this. Okay, was the, the Susan Smith case from July nineteen ninety five. Go. So she actually okay. The weird thing about this is that she maintained her innocence for a long time. So she hmm. drowned her two toddler sons right um, in South Carolina, right? But she right. let. I think she initially blamed. Yeah, yeah. She she Quote, initially blamed. A black man. Uh, yes, which. She claimed it was part of a carjacking, but she, like you're saying, eventually admitted that was all fucking made up. And and it's interesting. I actually remember a few weeks ago, not because I was researching, just because I happened to be reading it, an article about how the when that's happened, it it, it sort of tends to you know what are the things you're afraid of? What are the boogeymen that you're gonna first come up with? Oh, right? it kind of gets really deep into your. Subconscious, like when you don't know you're being racist, but you're being racist. Precisely. And there was no one on this earth who was not guilty of that. Exactly. (laughs) So this case, yeah, I mean, it's fucking, it's going, probably going to remain unsolved for a long time if if it ever gets solved. I don't think it'll ever get solved. Because of that, partly, I think it is why it had such a big impact for all of the 22 years that that event uh, intervened between the, the the crime occurring and now. And here For we are. Every we're... single one of those years, something has come out. Stories. It has never yeah. gone out of the, the the consciousness of America yeah. ever. And here we are talking about it. Twenty two years later, and it's fucking huge. So I could think of off the top of my head seven reasons why, you know, this is such a big case. Why it's had such a huge. And long-lasting impact, right? So well, just, just to the, give a little obvious, bit of context. The obvious ones are is the victimology. Of course. So Jean Benet was a beautiful six-year-old right. girl. And we'll talk in with, about her in a little more detail. Beauty pageants. A little while. Yeah, later. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. Sorry, no, sorry. no, no. What were you gonna say? So I I just kind of listed them. So I was just gonna kind of go through them. So definitely that. She was young, she was white. She had standing in the community. Her family was rich. Um, she was beautiful, um, you know. And to me, this plays into the lesser, the concept of the lesser dead, right? 
because Jean Benet yeah. is the greater dead. I feel like he's this, the greatest dead. I feel like this always comes into our conversation. It's something that that reoccurs in victimology constantly. There, there's there's a natural sort of casting, right, in in the sense of a caste system of victims in the wider consciousness. Whether you know it or not, right? Exactly. And we all do this. I think that's some, yes, exactly, what, what we have to realize, right? And unless you isolate it and, and bring it out and, and talk about why this is and what's really going on here, uh, we'll never resolve that. Now, that's not to say anything about Jean Monnet, obviously. Like, um, the fact that she was a young, you know, child who died is enough. To make For this sure. an enormous case. We don't need all that other stuff, right? It's not like we're trying to make lessen her death either. However. But you, we have to see this case in the, this in the context reality, in which it is. This yes. reality star lifestyle. Totally. But some of the other things that, that I think contributed to just how enormous this case is and, and has been, you know, how bad the crime itself was. Yes, it the brutality. Grotesque, brutal, bizarre it's not no, something that's simple. No, it's not It's not just that a fought, the six-year-old girl was killed. That's bad enough in and of yes. itself. But the way that it happened, again, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this in some, you know, specificity. Um, and, of course, the, the, quote, baby beauty pageant issue surrounding this. Yeah. So when the crime and came out, a whole other that became a whole other thing. Exactly. Um, the parents' actions. And this is, the JonBenet Ramsey case is one of the main reasons that child beauty pageants have become so popular. I, I, I guarantee you, Little Miss Honey Boo Boo getting her own reality show on TLC. Well, the, none of that. Okay. None of that fascination with beauty pageants. I don't think would have happened without this it, cultural impact. Very, very true. But I think we also have to remember that it was extremely popular before this. It was just very underground. We didn't. It, well, it, it wasn't. It, it didn't have the wider consciousness. But it, exactly, it, it was, was in community. almost every size a uh, uh, town of any good right, size right there was so there it was, was a community popular before there was a community but now it's even more spread out of course yeah the, the consciousness of it it just like blew up after that and because of this case for sure um so again like what what the parents did how weird it was you know all this stuff um the the police and the investigation the there's so much total, just about that it was totally botched that's how a lot of people and think, that's for sure. inc- that's so incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Another reason why it's not just it's not just there's so much there's mm-hmm. so many unanswered questions is that it's it, there there's questions that could have been known that should have been known had this gone how it was right. supposed to. And there are like sort of mysteries within mysteries about this. Right? Exactly. Like, why was D. A. Hunter do you know why did he act this way? Was it because of this and it, all these conspiracy theories? You know, it's just like. It, it feeds on itself. Are the Boulder police covering something up? Right. Are the DAs, is the DA covering something up? Yeah, it's it's all, like, so mysterious. And, and it's just that very unsolved nature of it. Yes. And not just that the crime itself is unsolved, like you're saying, but, but the sort of basic aspects of the crime are unsolved. And then all these other things that are surrounding it are also oh unsolved. Oh, my God. So, you know, it, it just, like, becomes this it, it's sort of an ecosystem of mysteries within itself. Um, and then I think also... What Jean Benet might have become, the the what if of what if Jean Benet had lived, 
you know, would would she have become the next, you know, Suzanne Summers? That's a big question. Um, or would she have flamed out because her mom was pushing her too hard? It, it it could go any number of ways, but we'll never know. And I think that's what, again, also feeds into this case. And how just fucking huge it is. I don't believe that. What? Her mom was pushing her. I believe, I've I think... I've heard different things about that. So I think that her mom obviously had a very heavy influence, but I don't so know. I the, just can't really get into the... I, I understand what, yeah. what that's like, but I... So I just can't really. I don't really get it from from watching her, and from other reports, and the and Patsy herself saying that Jean Benet was looking and saying, "I want to do that. When can I? When do I get to do that?" Uh, that's the one anecdote I was going to mention that, that Patsy told about how when Jean Benet was about three and a half. Yes. Um, they were, you know, um, I think watching footage of when Patsy won Miss West Virginia in 77 or something. Yeah. Or they went to a, a pageant or so, something, or they were watching Miss America on TV, something like that. And Jean Monnet was like, hey, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of countervailing anecdote that I've heard, and this may or may not support that, that Jean Monnet didn't want to do these pageants, is that famously Jean Monnet gave away her prizes. Which, which I think says a lot about what do you her mean? as a person. Oh, oh, like, that she like she um, would win. She, the, yeah, and, and I'm going to read through at some point during this episode all of the the, the pageants that she won because it's crazy. Well, I'll do that later. But famously, she in some of these pageants would take off the tiara, right? Take off the sash, yes. and give it to a little girl yeah. or maybe a little boy who didn't win. Right, and I think this says you know she was like such a giving person. I think she's but just, also was it just because she kind of didn't care about it? That's what some people. I say. guess you can. That's um, what some people say. I. What do you think? Uh, I think it's. I mean, it's kind of impossible to know, but I think clearly she wanted to do it to some extent, right? Because yes, when you watch the performances. And just kind of like the number of ones that she did. I mean, it seems like she must have had some interest in it, right? But then how much does a six-year-old really determine what they do with their life or what they're interested in? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. So I'm not sure. Um, okay, so so just a, one other thing before we get into, start getting into kind of the who's who, the, the meat of the episode. Um, I just wanted to read <laughs> this. The what? The meat of the episode. No <laughs> pun intended. So um, I just wanted to read this kind of longish quote from the Sarah Marshall article on BuzzFeed because I feel like it, it was just a really good encapsulation of why this crime has had such a long-lasting uh, impact. Okay, so quote, Throughout the media frenzy surrounding Jean Benet's uh, murder, Americans did their best to invent a story that forced her death to make sense and gave her a role as an angelic symbol of all that darkness will take from us if we let it. A society can't be sure of its skill at enforcing order and defeating monsters if these monsters do not claim the occasional victim. Deprived of a trial, deprived of a verdict, deprived even of a coherent story, the American public has had no way to turn the horror of a child's murder into the beginning of a fairy tale, which is why the desperation for an end to the story still remains. Yes. Close quote. Yes. It's a story. Exactly. But we're also so de detached from it. Because we feel this need to allegorize the news. It's Always. Not, it, exactly. It's not something that happened to a person. It's 
a story. <laughs> it's it's a um, um, a thing from which we can all learn. It's a lesson. It's not just you know kind of like something that happened in someone's life. Like it would be if it happened to you. You know, it's never the news if it's your. Kid, if it's your right? life, yeah. If it's your life, right? Exactly. So yeah, we we definitely in the spirit of this podcast, right? should continually be talking about that, right? The, the the humanization, the empathy that we can have for all of these people. Yeah, especially... Whether they were blamed for something, whether they're purely a victim, whether they're a bystander, yeah. Yeah. Or how, however uh, much blood they may or may not have on their hands, each of these people is a person and, and deserves, um, you know, some some measure of empathy from us. Especially in a case like this where it's so easy to be caught up in the sensation. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to sit here pretend and pretend like we're not caught up in the sensation because that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing that's right true. now. No, that is, that's, I mean, uh, that's why people do shit like this, right? Because <laughs> we're interested in it. It's fascinating. Okay. But we want to do it a little bit different. A little bit different than the Craven, you know, we're, we're not the Inquirer, at least. JonBenet Ramsey was a nice six-year-old girl living in a rich, rich house. She was. That house was fucking nice, too. Ah. 15th Street in Boulder. Nice block. Um, and the house, and this actually comes into play, you know, in, in the crime, right? Because their house had, what, 15 bedrooms? Um, no. At 15? Well, it at least had 15 main rooms. I guess that's what they were saying. I remember them saying at some point that it had 15 rooms that they would have to search. Maybe not oh, bedrooms. Okay. But it was a mansion. It was a legitimate mansion that they lived in. Um, and, you know, this is right because John Ramsey was pretty rich in, in 1995 or 1992 so when they moved there. It made sense uh, that he was... I mean, I mean, to me, he was mm-hmm. the head of a a graphics company, right? right? Access right, right. graphics. Access graphics. So, uh, let me take just a little step back um, and give just uh, uh, some some highlights of information about John. So, John Ramsey, right? Naval and a private pilot. He was super into flying. That was like his main interest. Yeah. If you got him to start talking about flying and pilots and stuff, he he would be your friend. Otherwise, he was kind of reserved. People talk about how he was a little awkward, wasn't really the most social person. Yeah, he was elusive. He was kind of elusive and always always kind of had been, like ever since he was like a, a, a kid. But he was also very charming. Um, and, you know, when he met uh, Patsy in 1980, uh, or rather when they got married in 1980, you know, she, she was like this beauty queen. She had won Miss West Virginia three years earlier. Right. She was like 15 years younger than him. Yeah, I think he was 37 and she was 22 or 23. Um, and he had already been married once oh, and I, yeah. had a child named Elizabeth. And was that the daughter that died in a yes. car crash? Yes, she died in a car crash. She was 22 years old, and it was in 1992. Okay. Yeah, in 1990, 1992. She was 22. It wasn't 22 <clears throat> years before this happened. I don't know why I said that earlier. Okay, and John was also, like, really, really in- intelligent, right? Like, super, super smart. Like you were saying, access graphics. He got really into computers and software like early on. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it like made sense that he had this huge net worth because that's mm-hmm. where the money is. 
That's where yeah. the money still is. <laughs> yeah, and and like a lot of um, business people, he sort of made that large amount of money by being bought out. So he founded a company called Access Graphics along with two other guys by merging three companies, which eventually got bought by Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, super huge company, um, big defense, defense contractor. Um, and in the year before this crime occurred, right, in 1995 – um, Access Graphics actually did a billion dollars in sales. Right, right. And they had a big party. It was yep. in the newspaper. Yep. Big cake that said a billion dollars in sales or whatever on it. Um, so it was a huge, huge deal. And the, the family had moved from Atlanta to Boulder for the business in 1992, um, the year after Jean Benet was, was born. Um, so just to kind of like round out his story a little bit, right? Um, it's all kind of come full circle for John. He's not wealthy anymore. Um, he's still he, the, he still worked with planes, though. Yes, he, he works, uh, at least at the, in 2016, um, for this private, you know, um, airstrip. So, yeah, I mean, he's doing fine, I'm sure. But, you know, he's kind of like renting a house. He's not like super, he's not wealthy anymore. And he actually unsuccessfully ran for Congress in 2004, oh, I which I thought that. was kind of interesting. He actually didn't do that bad. He got 26% of the vote in the Republican primary. Okay. Which is not not terrible. You know, that's, that's you know, legit, whatever. So uh, now to move on to Patsy. So a little bit about Patsy's background. Patsy Ramsey, nay Paul, her maiden name was Paul, um, was driven, brilliant, very fashionable. That's kind of like the main thing that people talk about. She was like really into to fashion and, and um, that was that was kind of her main interest coming into college, I think. Um, and she was just like really, really motivated, you know, to succeed and to, to like climb the social ladder. Not necessarily in a bad way, but, but you know, that, that was like her aspiration in life. And her probably greatest achievement was winning Miss West Virginia, like I mentioned earlier, in 1977. And she did go on to compete in Miss America as well. And uh, kind of interesting, a uh, little kind of factoid, she and her sister they are both the only sisters to yeah. ever compete in Miss America. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so Patsy married, again, much older John Ramsey uh, in 1980, uh, just three years after her crown, gave up her kind of uh, aspirations, um, became Didn't she a housewife. Go work? Got the computer company? Well, she worked with him, yeah. She supported him, um, but she she didn't pursue her own interests. Right? She didn't become a fashion designer. She didn't become um, – and, and, you know, she, she – um, it's kind of funny. You know, people talk in several of the sources that I, I read and listened to about how, yes, she won Miss West Virginia, but she wasn't, like, stunning. She wasn't, like – Heidi Klum or something, right? She did, she wasn't, like, knocking you over with how beautiful she was. But she was just, like, super smart and, like, super talented and driven. And, like, that's what kind of carried her. So, I don't know. It, it was weird how people kind of kept giving her this backhanded compliment. Yeah, I was going to say, what is that? Tell me what that means. I, I don't, don't know. understand. You saw the face I made. I was like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> And and it's not that I, I it's not that I'm saying that I I have no idea one way or the other, but it was just something that kept coming up. So I just thought that was kind of like a little strange. Um, I don't know, but obviously she she captured John's heart, right? Whatever, and um, they had their oldest son Burke in 1987, and then Jean Monnet, uh three years later in 1990. 
um, both in Atlanta, and then they moved to Boulder in 91, not yeah. 92. Yeah, 91. Uh, there's so fucking much about this case. <laughs> like, trying to keep it all straight. <laughs> there's so many details. So many dates, so many times. I, I, let me tell you, I spent most of Christmas... Um, watching and, and reading about this, so... Me too! That was, that was most of my Christmas. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's my present to the pod. <laughs> okay, um, and just a little bit about Burke Ramsey. There's really not too much that's, like, known about him, necessarily, but... Well, he was only nine. He was only nine when the crime occurred. That's very true. Um, sort of, you know, famously, he did that interview with Dr. Phil in 2016, um... Didn't really reveal yeah. anything. It was just kind of unfortunate. Well, he said he wasn't going to talk about it ever again. Nor should he ever exactly have or, or be expected to. I was going to say, like, I don't. I really don't blame him. No, of course not. Um, and and just again because it was mentioned in some of the sources that I read, although it's to some extent disputed. Um, some of the sources did say that he was, you know, very jealous of Jean Monnet. Which could be understood, although other sources said that they were pretty close. I think that's another and tabloid thing. I'm 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 not sure. Um, I didn't only hear it from the, you know, inquirer guy, but anyway, and there may have been instances where he hit Jean Monnet. Um, that's something that I I also heard may have may have occurred. So, you know, take take that into into account as you will. And then of course Jean Monnet herself. So we can talk about her a little bit. Um, according to everything that I read, listened to, heard, she was, like, the best child. Like, her parents loved her. Her teachers fucking adored her. She was, like, super smart. She was, she could, what was it, count to 20 in Spanish. She... Wow. That, that, that was her, um, her, like, um... Uh, talent in, in one of the pageants. She could, um, she was like already reading at a first grade level. She was apparently just like kind of like, you know, like her parents, right? She was really smart and really driven and very outgoing. Um, she, you know, uh, the, the one anecdote that I could, just couldn't get over was that she, the day before she died, gave... Santa a present. A present, yeah. And that's how I think of her. She's the girl who would give Santa a present. Yeah. Santa, in this case, of course, being Bill McReynolds, the neighbor who played Santa for many, many years. Possible suspect. We'll talk about that in the next episode, yes. But I don't think, suspect. I don't he's, think so. Well, he's one of many, 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 many. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's the main thing that I heard, just that she was a wonderful person who would make you laugh um, and was just, like, a great a great person to be around. Like I said before, would, would literally give away her crowns to yeah. the other little girls because she was like, oh, you didn't get to win. And this, maybe this would be a good time just to read all of the crowns that she did get because it's, it's, it's quite a few. And, and I think this is all of them, but there, there may be others as well. Okay, so uh, Little Miss Sunburst, Little Miss Merry Christmas, Little Miss Charlevoix County in Michigan, Little Miss Colorado, National Tiny Miss Beauty, oh. Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, oh. and America's Little Royal Miss. Wow. So in Those case are some that, titles. She won two national titles, uh, one state 
at least one statewide title. I think another of those was as well, a countywide title and then some smaller ones. So A career. She had a career in child pageantry by the time she was six. Basically, in two years, she like, and you know the, um, you know so, some 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 of the women around this, uh, for example, uh, a Colorado pageant promoter named Eleanor Van Dyke said of um, Jean Monnet that she had that great Southern look that pageants really like. Exactly. That's yeah. So that's one. That's why I, I I'm not surprised that she was so successful because she yeah. is the. She is the American icon. Right. And uh, I, I liked this one, too. Uh, so this woman's name was Buffy Davenport. Or Buffy. maybe still is. I don't know. Buffy might still be around. Um, the publisher of a magazine about, about these kind of pageants um, said Jean Benet was, quote, a natural, a real dynamo, close quote. And if you watch the f- footage of her, you know, yes, there's some that people, you know, say, and and I think rightly, is is kind of disturbing in a way because it is very oddly sexualized in, like, a way that's obviously inappropriate in the context of everything that happened afterwards. It's just... Whether, if, if you watch her do these things, like, she's, she's a natural up there. Like, she obviously is extremely comfortable in front of a crowd. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you know, to say about Jean Monnet necessarily. I mean, obviously we'll keep talking about her through this, these whole two episodes, right? She's the the presence looming over everyone who uh, deals with this case. And, and you know, like the, the police had her picture um, on the front of every case file in, in one picture that I saw. Oh, wow. The investigators um, and people involved in this case, some of them have like her picture on their desk for decades after this crime occurred. The, and, and, and we'll keep talking about this through the whole thing too, right? But just the, the impact that this crime had, partly because people, again, just looked at her and what she was and what she could have been and said like, why, how, how could this have happened? It's tragic. It's a loss for all of us um, that we all f- feel and felt from that from that time and and all the way till now, right? It is. It's very tragic. Um, and we can never lose sight of that as some of it does get sensationalized, right? Okay, so let's move on to the timeline, okay? And this is going to be what happened the day before the crime, the day of the crime, and then just like a little bit of after. And then we'll get into everything else. Okay, so are time. you going from... Christmas Day or Christmas, Christmas Day. Night? Christmas Day. Okay. And I wanted to talk a little bit just in general about Christmas at the Ramses. Yeah. Okay. So Miss uh, Patsy Ramsey talked about this as as somewhat of a regret looking back in that there were so many people in and out of their house all the time during the holidays. It was a big deal. They had huge family celebrations. There were Christmas trees in every single room of the house, you know. It was classic American Christmas. I believe they had five Christmas trees in their house. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Four or five. Again, this was a mansion. And, okay, first of all, Patsy Ramsey was famous for spending way too much money on shit like this. Well, she could. And and she kind of could, 
but she went all out. And the one thing that really struck home for me about this and said like just how huge a deal Christmas was at, at the Ramseys, the year before this happened, the crime occurred, I believe, um, they did a video. Yes, For yes. The, the Boulder Historic Tour of Homes. Oh, it's really and weird. It is cringeworthy, for sure. Um, you know, early 90s kind of shit, early to mid 90s kind of shit. And uh, with, with, you know, the way it, like, pans and, like, yeah. the dissolves, it's like, oh, my God, it looks so bad. But anyway, um, yeah, they did this video for um, this historic tour of homes, and they had, like you're saying, like, a couple of thousand people go through their home yep. in, in the days before Christmas. Um, and Patsy feels that then maybe, you know, the eventual perpetrator um, was scoping out the home during that time. And who knows? You know, it's it's a it's it's certainly possible. Um, of course, if some of the theories of the case are true, then it's not at all possible. But you know, we I think we have to keep an open mind through all of this. Um, but yeah, just just cr- Christmas was a huge, and obviously it's been tainted ever since, which is oh, the unfortunate yeah. other side of that coin. Oh wow! You know, and this actually weirdly just reminded me of a. Um, and I don't remember the name of it, but there's a particular bar in Austin, Texas, where I lived, um, you know, before moving back up here to Illinois, that is always set up like it's Christmas. And I heard it's because the owner's husband died at Christmas. Oh. And she just, like, couldn't bear to take down the stuff. So it's, like, always been Christmas. So it's, it's like, kind of a depressing bar. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay, so... Now, let's actually talk about, like, 1996. So this is December 25th, 1996. The Ramses, as they always did, had a big party for Christmas. Yep. Um, where Santa, Bill McReynolds, uh, was, um, like That's we said. That's where she gave him a gift. And the gift she gave, it's it's interesting. Um, the gift she gave him, it was, uh, like, a little vial of glitter. Yes. And she said it was, like, uh, stardust. Yeah. And he um, apparently has several of these that she had given him. Aww. And uh, he gave one to Patsy and um, before they, you know, kind of had their falling out amongst all of this, right? And uh, But he another, I think that particular one he's kept ever since. So, yeah, just, again, people, and it comes up over and over, people take things away from this occurrence, from this, crime from this tragedy and keep it with them the gravity of it stays with them in a physical like real way uh for for years and years afterwards uh okay so back to the timeline okay so they have this party with the kids and all this stuff after that the evening of the 25th they go to a party at the neighbor's house they have food blah 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 they um, Fleet stay, and Priscilla White. Right, at, at the Whites, exactly. They're very good friends, the Whites, um, just across the street, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, just across the street. And then they come home at about 9 p.m., according to their statements they would make later, at uh, about 9 p.m., and JonBenet was already asleep. Yes, they say that everybody goes right to bed. Not exactly. So they say that JonBenet was asleep already in the car. Yeah. And that they just carried her up to bed. And that'll become really important later. 
what John said was that Burke was working on a model that he had gotten for Christmas that day and that he refused to go to bed until he had finished working on it. So he helped Burke finish it and then he and Burke went to bed. Okay. So they stayed up a little bit and then, but in fairly short order, everyone was was asleep. Okay? And then, as was her normal practice, Patsy Ramsey came down super early in the morning at about 4.30, 4.45 a.m. Okay, before 5 a.m. to make coffee. And because this was kind of her, her morning routine, but also because the Ramseys were going to go visit the other um They had a Ramsey whole other day family planned. in Michigan. Yeah. They were going to take a plane to Charlevoix and... Obviously, that didn't happen. So Patsy comes down the stairs. These are the back stairs where you wouldn't necessarily know that the family would be. Correct. Unless you and knew the routine. And this is where the ransom note was found. Exactly. So, um, Chloe, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this ransom note and just how fucking weird it was. So. <clears throat> Not a normal ransom note by any means. There's a lot going on in this ransom note. And it was the only, is one of the only clues left in that area of the house. Mm -hmm. um, it was found by Patsy on the back, on the back staircase, which is logical, right? Right. Um, and one of the things that investigators noticed was that it was really long. Mm -hmm. It was way longer than it needed to be. It was like two and a half pages. Right. And they found that, um, okay, so they did like an ink and paper analysis, and they traced it back to a pen and paper that ended up being in the house. Right. So that, I mean, you can say whatever you want about that. You could say that an intruder came in and used the pad and paper that was there, or it was Patsy that used the pad and paper that was there. And the, basically it comes down to one of those two choices. And the weird thing as well about um, that I, I, I didn't know if you had seen was that a uh, an uh, first attempt at the note was started on that same on pad. the on the um there was like an imprint right. that they could see exactly yeah. they said that was that may or may not have been true really okay yeah that may that or may not have been places. true okay there's a lot of stuff like there's that about so this. much I mean that's why I was like that's what we're saying here guys like there's so much like we don't even know if that's true for sure yeah. like this could be and even the A and E special they said that all. A lot, a lot of the leaks that the papers found, none of them were found to be true. I'm so gonna, there's so much misinformation I'm, about I'm this case. I'm going to do a whole thing about this next episode. I'm going to talk about just that. So we'll 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 get into that I'll, and so many other things that are in dispute. I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk a whole thing about just everything okay. that's in dispute. So, so we'll, let's we'll, talk we'll about that. Let's talk about the ransom. Let's yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, so yeah, get some more into I'm. That. Gonna read it. I'm just gonna read it. You're gonna read the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, go. I don't see why not. Sure. Okay. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the co country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and, un and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an etiquette, si etiquette size attache? Attache, yeah. To the bank. 
When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The, the delivery... The, the delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence a earlier pick up of your daughter. Any deviation of, of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. It will be scanned for electronic devices and if any are found, she dies. You could try to deceive us, but we but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny, as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good Southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory. SBTC. Whoa. It's a Whoa. whole lot of fucked up, right? Oh, my God. And what's... What the hell is going on with that? There's, there's a lot going on here. And in the basic breakdown of things, I want to talk about how it's addressed only to Mr. Ramsey. Right. Which is peculiar. That begs the question, could he have been the main target all along? Was this, was this a motive to make their entire family hurt, specifically him? Or is it because it was written by Patsy and she just kind of would naturally do exactly, it that way? Exactly, Which is kind of, I don't know. Anyway, go. So go, go they're also very specific uh -huh. About a lot of things. The 118,000. Yes. The 118,000 and also the way they want it. They want it in a, the first 100,000 in $100 bills and then the remaining 18,000 in $20 bills. And they say all of these really weird um, kind of things that hint to other things, but we don't really know. So it's right. either that this person... English was their second language, or they're trying to dissuade in investigators to put them off their path. I mean, Something we about don't really that. know. Okay. It's Mario's seemed, very excited here. Sorry, I'm very excited. I have so <laughs> many things to say about this. I don't know the answer. Um, okay, so, okay, first of all, 118000 same amount of money that John had gotten for his year-end bonus that exactly. year. So, that's... Either a very strange coincidence or not at all a coincidence. Secondly, in terms of, okay, was this was this a person's second English as a second language? No. Clearly it was not. I thought that possibly at first, but it was pointed out to me that while some very common words were misspelled in the note, like, well, like that, the word business. Like that was deliberate. That's the, what they think it, was it, more deliberate than anything else. And attache was Stuff, spelled correctly. Yeah, like deviation. With, and deviation. With the... Uh, not the apostrophe. God damn it. The the accent was on there. And in attache, the accent was on there. And there, there's like other and the words in there too. Just like the vocabulary and the structure Clearly in, in was general. written by a very intelligent person who knew English extremely well. And the things that were incorrect were done in a ham-fisted way to try to throw someone off. Okay. Like that, I, I don't see how there's any other interpretation of just the, the lexical kind of content of the note, if, you, if you're just looking at that part of it. Well, the 
the one thing I heard was that uh, they may have had a problem with their S's because business and um, possession were misspelled. Like one had double, uh, like two S's in business, but possession only had one S. We're supposed to have two and and something Mm -hmm. like that. So what's also weird about this letter is that it's very personal, but it's, that it's, that good southern charm. We respect. The hell your is business. that about? It we also, respect your business. Yeah, it doesn't. Ha- there isn't much. There isn't much like hate it's in this weirdly letter. Weirdly nice, and it doesn't compare to the the crime itself at all. Like exactly. her murder was incredibly brutal. Right. But this note is: we respect uh, your business. Make sure that you bring an advocate. Like it almost sounds polite. Which, according to investigators, especially Lou Smith, um, who we'll talk about next episode, said this is absolutely not at all the way in which any other note like this. It's extremely ha- different from a regular ransom note. Any, the, without exception. This is unique, which one can't usually use correctly, but I don't know. You know, uh, I just, re- it, it just bugs me. I just want to know what the SPTC, fuck happened here. SPTC, that's the other big thing. What the fuck is S B T C? If you understand, it's just the letter S, period, etc. But there's no period at the end of the C, which. Okay, so I read a really a lot. To into really this. get into the weeds. To re- I I did <laughs> I like really got into this yeah. and um some of it I was like that sounds pretty far <laughs> right. far fetched. A lot of it was a lot like a lot about them, a lot of this. What a, one of it was like there's no there's no period at the end of C, so that means they wanted to write more and that their thoughts weren't finished and this and the other thing or or like there was just a lot. Also, the tense is is weird. Oh, so. Yeah. It starts off with, we are a group of individuals, and we have your daughter. Um, then it goes, I, I will call you, like, if, but then it goes back to we, and it goes to I, and it's very, I don't know, yeah. it's like, it's just not thought out well. Um, and then there's the question of, uh, but not the country it serves. Is Are we looking into this too much, or is that... Sp- person somehow against capitalism or were they just against the wealth and the Ramsey lifestyle or were they against John himself? Did they think his company like served the country somehow? Does this have to do with the company at all? No one fucking knows, right? (laughs) Right. And what was also pointed out was that a small foreign faction is not a construction that anyone involved in that sort of thing would ever use. To describe that, themselves, to just, right? No one, that's not a phrase that any person would ever use to describe themselves. It's usually we are blank. Right. We're we say are like, blank. Yeah. This like, is, and we, and they get to the point. It's not two and a half pages long. Right. Again, longer than any ransom note that, that you know, these investigators had ever seen. So many weird, so many. Do you have anything else about the I ransom ha- note? Yes. Okay. So there's, there's a lot more, so. Word choice. Word uh-huh. choice suggests that the person has a sophisticated vocabulary. However, they misspelled the business and all that stuff. Which I guess was just a ruse. I think so. Um, yeah, I definitely think so. And the SBTC, I don't think that really means anything. I think that was just there to try to throw us off. Okay, so the writer also suggests... Ah, uh, this was... What? 
when somebody pointed this out, I was surprised that it wasn't talked about more. Okay. That the family's being monitored, it kind right. of suggests that. And that they're under constant scrutiny of some of some sort. In a way that doesn't seem plausible. It doesn't seem possible at all, right? Especially the, like, we're going to scan you for electronics. It seems like a scare tactic. Um, it's suggesting that they're bullshit. being they're being watched, but yeah. it's not unlikely. Or that's not... Uh, Likely at all. But what a lot of handwriting experts, we could also go into a whole other thing on if that's reliable or not. That could be a whole episode. That could be a whole fucking episode. But um, it it is clear, anyone can see, that the handwriting does change throughout the note. True. And there's more there to pick out and analyze. Right. The... It, it becomes neater and less less hurried. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does bear a striking it, resemblance to Patsy's writing. I mean, I think but, you, know, you have to kind of admit that. Not, not in a way that's dispositive. However, the A&E investigation said that that was untrue, that no, and Patsy, or not Patsy, John Ramsey said it himself, that n- the, the, hand, the handwriting, nobody ever said anything about it being matched to Patsy's handwriting at all. That was not true at all. Well, I mean, they did, because handwriting experts ha- analyzed it, and some of them said that it did, so I don't well, that's what he's saying, and that's what the they, investigation well, yeah, but the from A and E is saying. The A and E documentary and was A&E so clearly biased. pushing. It was so it was pushing the intruder theory pretty so, pretty hard. It was essentially produced by John Ramsey. It I was, mean, it, would, it was as if it were. I liked it. I thought it was. It brought really up good. some good points, and it it did give it a different perspective, and, and it, 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 it went did a lot. Kind of, into, it changed my mind a little bit, but it, but clearly, it was extremely biased. Of course. Like a lot of them are. That's sure. the the big not that the ID here. channel one wasn't either, but not as much in the other way. But it definitely was to the other to the other way. Again, <laughs> you can get so into the weeds about these. Now we're we're debating A and E's perspective on the Jomini Ramsey case. I know, right? <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. Um, do you have more? Or should we get back to the timeline? Uh, let's go back to the timeline. Okay, so let's let's un let's hit play again. Okay, on this little. Scene, right? Just to remind you, Patsy Ramsey came down the back stairs, found the note. She reads about halfway down the first page to where it says, We have your daughter. This is this is the, the what she tells investigators later. And she freaks out, right? Obviously, like anyone would. And she runs to go check on Burke. That's her first thought, right? Okay. Um, he's fine, but obviously Jean Benet not in her room. And a weird thing um, that I just want to mention, Burke stays in his room the whole rest of the day. Apparently, he told yeah, him okay, he, yeah. he, he didn't leave his he room didn't the know. whole day. He also, like, said that he, like, in the interview, he never really talked about how she was dead. No one told him. yeah. Like even after they found her body, yeah, no they one were told they were him. yeah. The investigators were like, "Does he know that she's?" He never really. Well, he never. But he he never said that. I want to make that very clear. Well, Burke, yeah, yeah. In, it was just it just alluded to that. Right, right. But he Burke never never betrayed any knowledge that he shouldn't have known or anything like that um, when he was interviewed. But. It did seem strange that he would have just stayed up there and all that. It, it was a weird thing. So. Patsy alerts John, who then kind of reads through the letter more thoroughly. Patsy calls 911. Um, 
the 911 call, if you've ever heard it, it's probably one of the more famous 911 calls of all time, is ve- very kind of strange. It It's not as strange as the note, right? But yeah, it is very weird. Um, thoughts? So, I don't know. Some people think there can be additional voices heard, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. I've heard those clips and it doesn't. I think they're reading too much into things. I think that's another, yeah, definitely reading too much into things. Yeah. But But her phrasing is kind of strange, Um, you know. But again, it. I mean, I don't want to tell someone how to, you know, uh, react in a situation. That's what I'm saying. I know it inevitably always goes straight to that. You can't ever, like. With John and Patsy. You can't ever. You can't predict know. how the, what how you're going to act when something this tragic happens to you, and that's True. why I th- I freaking hate it when people pull up the the argument that they were acting wrong and that they weren't doing what they were supposed to. Although I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it wasn't weird that they didn't talk for like m- months. They didn't talk for they didn't have a sit down interrogation for a while, right. but they and went they on national television. Right. I, I don't know. I also think they had a lot of people around them telling them what to do and that's what they say yeah like john um john bynum and stuff like that there's just i just people say that yeah and and sorry if if we're like talking about stuff and not explaining it but i mean this case is like so famous i feel like we can kind of assume you know a little bit about it yes people people say that the Ramses didn't act correctly they didn't grieve properly there wasn't enough crying they were too in because john didn't cry even after he found his daughter and everything and yeah i don't know um anyway um okay so they they call the police the police arrive obviously um about seven minutes later and um you know the note had mentioned wait for a call right we we heard that earlier Uh, A call which... 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. and it never never happened. Surprise. But while they're waiting for this call, the Ramses start inviting people over. Yeah. Which is one of these things that people say, okay, that's kind of weird. Why are you doing that? So I believe their priest comes. They're a bunch of friends. There are a lot of people in this house. Mistake. Big mistake. Red flag. Big mistake. Not Um, good. The police should not have let this happen. And then... Come on. And then they left... Yeah, and then, okay, so the call doesn't come, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay, well, we're going to go start looking at some other things. They still assume it's a kidnapping. There's no question at this point as to whether or not it's a kidnapping. And, yeah, the police all leave except for one officer uh, named uh, Officer Arndt. Uh, Officer Arndt was— Linda Arndt. uh, Linda Arndt. um, It was— By all accounts, Linda Arndt was a, a bleeding heart. Yes. You know, she was um, all about victimology. And and she was, like, kind of early on in this, right? Um, uh, the, the So her whole perspective on this, uh, on that day, was how can I take care of John and Patsy and, and make them more comfortable and, and console them? And I think she's one of the reasons why, you know, they weren't kind of, like, interrogated at that time, mm-hmm. as would normally happen, mm-hmm. because that's what usually happens in cases Well, like she this. also didn't have the experience. True, true. And she should never have been put in that. So, and actually one of the other officers yeah, she shouldn't said have that been put in that position she at all. She should never have been put in. It was extremely unfair to her. As a green officer, she had never worked a uh, kidnapping case before. Right, right. Uh, she didn't have a murder background. She was in Boulder, Colorado, which had about one murder a year during yeah. this period. 
they this was not something the police were set up to deal with well, and they, yeah, kind of dropped the ball. And, okay, so <laughs> this, this is the craziest thing, right? Okay, so all the police leave. Linda's there. Linda Arndt, the officer's oh there. Oh, my God. And she says, okay, hey, John and um, uh, Lee, I think it was, um, hey, why don't you just look around? Just look around the house. You know, anything that looks weird, you know, just... And it, it, she, I think she was... She was just trying to keep them occupied, right? Because, again, they just assumed this was a kidnapping, okay? And I just... <sighs> obviously, what happened, happened. Um, they find the body. Well, John goes down, at, you know, they go down to the basement, and although the police had previously searched the house... Which is so mind-blowing to me. Not well, and, obviously. And there's even, like, a crime scene photo of the door where her body was, and they never, they just never opened it. I heard, again, this is one of these things, right? You know, you know true I not. heard, you know, I heard, I heard from... Somebody told me... I heard from Auntie Sue. Right, um, that the door was stuck. And that's why. Uh, they tried it and it was stuck. Whether or not that's the case. Obviously, knows? it was a terrible, terrible job of searching this house. However big it was, however labyrinthine this basement was, and this is what they say, right? It was a huge basement. So how could we ever have gone through the whole thing? Well, clearly... Clearly you didn't. You didn't, right? And then John did. So anyway, he sees Jean Monnet lying there in a small room that they call the wine, the wine cellar, cellar. Uh, euphemistically, um, laying on the ground, uh, immobile, and um, she was dead. You know, and she had been dead for a while. And no one's totally sure, but um, she was cold. There was, you know, there was no bringing her back at that point. And um, John, and again, it's one of these things, <laughs> depending on what you think of John and Patsy Ramsey, this seems one way or another. So I'm just going to say, he carries her body, picks her up, and carries her upstairs. And yes, that destroyed evidence. Mistake. Yes, that was detrimental to the investigation, for sure. For sure. But is that John's fault? That's the no. more that's the more difficult question. That is a difficult question, but I But again, it, it gets to your theory of the case, which we'll get to in the next episode, but everything is always what, painted by how do you see this? Do you suspect them I or do see you it, not suspect? I them? see it as even if he did even if he knows what happened and had something to do with it. Your child is still dead on the ground. So you're going to have a natural response. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. This is one of those times, I think, where... And I do not get psychopath vibes out of the Ramses at all. Which is what everyone keeps saying, especially their uh, investigator that they hired on the A&E special, you know, just that how could it ever have been these people? I see that. Yes, I understand. They don't fit the type. They don't fit the profile for sure. But... We have seen instances throughout time, throughout history, where pe- people you don't know, and then they do. I mean, fucking... But together... The, the, the stranger beside me. I mean, just just look at Ted Bundy. Uh, uh, you know, a he was working and intimate friends with a crime writer... Yeah. ...for years and never knew. Or the people who have a wife and family in the house, and they're killing people in the garage. Oh, I God. mean... These things happen. Um, again, we, we don't want to be, uh, you know, overly cynical. 
But we don't also want to be overly naive because the world is the world. And parents kill their children. I'm sorry. It happens. It happens every day. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I wish it would. It makes, literally turns my stomach uh, to say that. But it's the truth. Um, so however much we want to read the best intentions into John's motive and, and motivation in doing this, it always has to be in the back of my mind at least. But what if but what if he's the one who did it? But what if he knew the body was there? But what if he did that because he knew that it was going to mess with the... I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, again, one of these reasons why this case leaves one so unsettled. It's <laughs> so, so frustrating. It is. It is. It was kind of a creepy Christmas this year. Um, and I believe, although I can get into some details here, too, about the body, Jean-Monnet's body, about what happened, about the state of it, uh, or did you want to get no, into that? No, so... I, again, really, really looked into this, uh-huh. and there's a lot more to it. And Can I just say one thing, just, sorry, just um, to, to note it? Um, okay, so in terms of the timeline here, right? Okay, so her body uh, is brought upstairs by John. Yes. Um, it's laid down in, in, in the room. Uh, John is, you know, hysterical. Um, Patsy's hysterical. Uh the, the police all come back, of course. They all immediately come back and, and rush to the house. Um, Jean Monnet's body is then moved from that place to in front of the Christmas tree in the main room, uh, at which point it is covered by both a sheet and also by um, a, uh, a sweater, um, which also shouldn't have happened because that contaminated evidence. Um, and uh, her body may have been lying there until about 8.30 p.m. when the medical examiner came to 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 uh, do the in- initial investigation of the body. Oh, um, wow. We, we, I mean, that that is definitely the case. Like, the medical examiner didn't come until 8.30, but we don't know. Maybe some of his assistants came at about uh, an hour and a half after the body was found, or maybe nobody examined the body for a further seven hours after it was found. But it's one of these things. Is that where, a whole gap of time that we don't really know? Yeah, it's, and why that happened, or what was going on, or just the the day of the crime. There is a lot of second guessing that happens. I'll say in terms yeah. of what the police did, and what they didn't do, and what they allowed to happen, and some of much of it, I believe, is is very legitimate criticism. So. Like we said, this is not a light case. So, John Bonet had been so okay. Uh, oh, uh, this is very uncomfortable. She died. Just, let, let, let's just say at the outset, like this is you know how El, uh, last podcast says like gold star stuff. Like this is gold star stuff. Yeah, because this is really bad. So. She died of two main types of injuries. One, asphyxia from strangulation, and the other, blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. Now, there the is head. a... She had a fractured skull, yes. There right, is a, 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 um, a debate mm-hmm. about whether or not she was hit on the head first, then strangled, or then strangled... Right. And hit on the head and subsequently died. This is a we huge point know. of contention. And here's another thing. 
if this investigation would hand handled properly, this is something we would probably know. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a debate whether or not she had been sexually assaulted. Although I feel like that is not so much of a debate. I mean, and again, this is it, this is just incredibly gruesome and, and horrible and horrendous, but... You wait, know, wait, she do you think she was or wasn't? Was, definitely was. I mean, there was the blood found uh, both uh, on, there was on, a her, spot of blood on her, on her underwear, underwear yes. and also uh, externally uh, of her genitalia and also internally. Also, her... Uh, Hyman was just was destroyed. It was missing, which not there's not really another way that could have happened. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, if you listen to the audiobook, you get all the gruesome details. Um, you don't want to, but you do. And it it's again. And I feel like anytime anything like this comes up, we always have to say, you know, it's not for any other reason other than we have to understand exactly what happened. Um, to, to get justice, to get some kind of resolution to horrible things like this, we have to understand exactly what happened. And part of that is understanding the gruesome details of what happened to a person's body. Um, and it's not to dehumanize that person, but it's to, to honor them in a way, to, to understand what really, you know, truly this, this person went through before they, um, uh, unfortunately died. And it just breaks your heart. But, um, no, she clearly was. The question, the big question that no one can really answer is whether the, the, the sexual abuse occurred prior to that night. That's the big question. Was she being sexually abused on an ongoing basis or at any point previous to this uh, crime occurring? I don't think so. Or was it just that night, you know, directly either before or after the assault that, that killed her? I don't think so. I think it was that night. And I think whoever was there. Right. Of which there are, again, many suspects. Spent a lot of time there. Clearly. Clearly. Because, yeah, as we're going through this timeline, I mean, you think, okay, this person took Jean-Manet from her room, presumably where she was. And then actually, this might be a good time to talk about the pineapple. Okay, you talk about the pineapple. Um... Okay. Or presumably pineapple, because no one really knows, but... What? I mean, they found pineapple in the house, and they found vegetable fruit matter in her stomach, but... What else would it be? Well, it's one of these things, because there was so much of a time lapse, you know, where the medical examiner didn't come, technically it was too decayed or whatever to tell exactly. But yes, it, it obviously was the pineapple. <laughs> okay. So... The pineapple is a big crack in the case because it mm -hmm. doesn't go along with what the Ramses say. So, because they said she went to bed immediately, that she she was asleep when she came home, and then she went straight to sleep. But she had clearly eaten in the intervening time, right? That's that's the um, discrepancy, right? Right. They found a bowl on the table with a spoon in it. So was someone up with her in the middle of the night? And why didn't the Ramses talk about this? Um, 
They also find Patsy and Burke's prints on the bowl, but it's their that bowl. Not, yeah, that's not indicative of anything. I don't think that really meant anything. It's their, no. it's their bowl. Like, uh, almost all of the physical evidence that's involved in this case, it came from the home, so. Which is why I don't think touch DNA, I don't know, never mind. Well, that's a whole other thing. I think we'll get into that next time. Well, we, we should have a whole conversation about touch DNA. But that's, yeah. And... Like you're saying, it was a big break in the case because it was one of the very few pieces of physical evidence in this case. There's just, like, right. such a dearth of evidence, and especially evidence that seems to kind of point one way or the other yeah. in terms of, you know, because when John is presented with this, right, because they've done many interviews throughout the years, says, well, I have no idea, you know, why that, how that could have happened or why someone would have, um, you know, whatever. Uh, oh, I just thought of something else that we didn't mention in terms of evidence. The neighbors um, claim to have heard a scream that night. Oh, I didn't know that. I should have put that in my timeline, actually. The neighbor was actually woken up in the middle of the night by a scream from the Ramsey's home. Do they know like what a time? Girl screaming. Not exactly, but, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, they said, or the the woman said, okay, you know, maybe we should go and, and take a look at it, but talked it over with her husband, and they felt like, well, you know, the parents are home, they'll take care of it, we don't really need to do anything, and then they told the police about it later. But it does beg the question, if the scream were loud enough to wake up the neighbor, then why didn't it wake up the people in the house? Or, or why, were they already why away? Why didn't they hear it? So... You know, it's one of these little things, you know, that... And there's so many of them, There's so many of them, and... There's... Who even knows? Maybe it was a fucking cat. You know, I I don't know. But, you know, you can latch on to these pieces, little things, because there's so few of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, But people, I mean, from that moment on, people have and did. I mean, this was an immediate media sensation. Oh, my God, for sure, for sure. You know? It definitely changed the course of true crime. Definitely. And like we talked about before, when it happened in between the O.J. Simpson case and Mm -hmm. that woman in South Carolina. Well, it was a little bit after the woman in South Carolina. That was the the summer before. Um, And then the O.J. case was two years before. But, of course, the trial went on for quite a long time. Um, So, you know, I I don't know. It might have still been ongoing at that point. But, um, yeah. and, And I think the thing we should also not forget that I heard over and over again in researching this was the effect that this had on the Boulder community and how traumatized yeah. the people were, especially, um, and again, it just breaks your heart, the, the her classmates, you know, Jean yeah. Manet's, um fellow kindergartners. It's, it's scary because, first of all, no one really knows what's happening. So there's a possibility that uh, the people who you, who you know and love are killers or there's a killer on the loose. And not only that, but you have Patsy and John going on CNN saying one thing, and then you have the mayor going out and telling people a different thing. Oh, man. And who knows who's right, That's right? also another, well, yeah. And th- this is all, and we're almost wrapped up here. We're, yeah, over an hour already, but um, that's something we'll get definitely get into next time is, is the competing, you know, kind of theories of the case um, from the very beginning how there wasn't fucked up teamwork. It was. There was, there was no, no teamwork. teamwork. Everybody was against everybody, um, so it it just becomes a big ker- kerfuffle. And as, 
especially a kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. Um, you know, the uh, re-examination and criticism of the of what happened at the crime scene on that day, you know, especially not securing the crime scene, allowing John, I didn't, what I didn't even mention, allowing John to leave the home for about 50 minutes, five zero minutes, mm, to I get the mail. I also heard that wasn't true. Maybe I heard, that wasn't I true. I heard it not just from the A&E special, though. I heard it from a couple other sources. Okay, but even without that, allowing, you know, John to search the house unsupervised. Yeah. Um, you li- like we said, leaving the one officer there, not questioning the kidnapping theory from the very beginning. Just all of it. It 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 was bungled. It was bungled. Bungled. Yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, whatever happened, you know the 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 kids, the parents, they were terrified, traumatized. Um, kids couldn't sleep you know, not in their parents' room for months after this oh, happened. Oh, man. It, it had a really, really big impact on them. And partly because of who it was, too, you know. I mean, she would, it, it wasn't just some kid. It was right. Jean Monnet, you know, this singular person. All right. Yeah, I mean, we could go on forever, but uh, I think that's probably good for one episode. And then, like I said, next time we'll get into more of, you know, the – investigation, the suspects, our thoughts on what happened, the wider, you know, kind of impact of it on our culture, just all of that. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. I also think we'll save our weekly weird shit in yeah. the news for next episode. Yeah. I think it, it seems inappropriate. So, okay. yeah, hope you all have a great rest of your week. Yo, and, um, we would yeah. love it if you would follow us on Twitter. On Instagram, please. Please, this seriously helps us out a lot. Give us, give us some stars on on iTunes. <laughs> right. Please comment, rate, subscribe, all that good we, stuff. We, we got one more uh, uh, comment. Go not, team! Not not just your brother now. Uh, also a different guy. God bless. So, God bless us. Everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.